Welcome to the Art of Rewilding podcast. I'm your host, Catherine Eden. This podcast aims to wake the innate wild inside of all of us through story medicine and taboo tales of birth, death, rebirth, connection, and reclamation. There is no one right way to rewild, only your way. This is our gentle revolution of the healed feminine. Welcome to this liminal space. I'm so glad you're here. Hello, glorious humans, and welcome to the Art of Rewilding podcast. In this episode, I want to talk about the, the late summer phase, a phase of womanhood on the wheel of the year that is, I think, really overlooked and undervalued but really fucking important and powerful and amazing. And I wish that we acknowledged it more, which is why I'm talking about it. So I'm realizing with each passing day that I am crossing yet another threshold, the threshold that stands within the mother full bloom phase of womanhood on the wheel of the year that connects um, with summer and with the full moon and with birth and pregnancy and so birthing children and projects. The downward spiral into late summer. So it also connects with the ovulation phase and late summer is after the, the transition after the full moon. So once we ovulate, we spiral downward. So we hit that peak of full moon or ovulation, pregnancy, birth, little kids, and then we've hit that peak, the most expansive, fullest of bloom, most amount of outward energy that is possible, and then we start to go inward and move closer towards darkness and more inward. Um, And it's a time when we start to reflect on what has been and on these, you know, some people will see it as they were the golden years, they were the best years of my life and now, you know, now what? Now I'm, I'm moving into not the best years of my life, which of course sets a really negative intention and energy around what's to come, which is probably the same amount of years than, you know, the other half of the cycle. Um, And so I'm here to put a little bit of a, a spin on that. So I'm no longer at my peak of full bloom. I have birthed my babies and I'm creeping closer towards the MAGA phase. I don't plan to have any more babies. My kids are starting to get a little bit older and more independent and I can certainly feel that pull towards the MAGA phase, which is um, the initiation is is menopause, rite of passage is menopause and... um, 
that's yeah there's the marga phase and then the crone phase um i'm not in the marga phase yet but i can feel myself being sort of considering that and being pulled towards that and and just reflecting on that so this is the time asking for me to begin fully integrating and alchemizing the wisdom from my maiden and mother phases and start putting them into practice before the initiation into magahood. I can really feel maybe not an urgency yet, but just a pull to start reflecting on what that might look like and what I want that to look like. Our late summer often gets overlooked and overshadowed by birth, pregnancy, postpartum, and then by by menopause because a lot of women start to experience potential symptoms around this time of perimenopause. And so it can be overshadowed by those things. And so we don't get the opportunity to really revel in this late summer phase. Or some people just feel really a negative connotation because we've been made to, you know, as I, as I've said in other episodes where there's shame and taboo and darkness and shadows, that's probably where the power lies. And of course, age and menopause and death are in our culture seen as something to hide away and not talk about and just something that we try and avoid, really, really desperately try and avoid. So for a lot of people, this phase can feel scary and um, shameful and something to be avoided and escape. Um, But I want to turn the tables on that for sure because I think this is where the biggest power and gifts lie. This This is where we get to shine. This is really where we're going to shine. Our, our biggest, most outward phases were amazing, but they were learning times. This is where we get to be fully ourselves, our most whole, authentic selves, um, exactly how we want it to be. We get to choose. We get to choose. Um, so it's, it's this small window that asks for presence and reverence. I realized that over the years I've come to notice this phase in women, like really it's, I've just always really noticed and men too, actually, um, particularly sort of fathers and parents, I've really noticed it very acutely. It always stood out and, um, it seemed to have really common threads and signs. This is a time that I noticed women often start reclaiming themselves in full authentic sovereignty. You notice an amalgamation of some of their maiden lost loves, but with spicier energy, more confidence, more rigor, less fucks given, like taking up skateboarding, surfing, dancing, studying, reconnecting with friends, reconnecting with their sexuality, reconnecting with their sensuality, you know, really um, embracing more confidence uh, within themselves and just like taking life a bit more by the horns and it's like they've been sort of let out of a cage. And I really noticed a massive change and difference and transformation um, in 
even before I had kids in women that I knew that that had had babies and then their babies sort of entered um, somewhat more independent age ages. So once they hit sort of maybe four, um, huge shift, like they suddenly got this freedom and then they were able to reclaim themselves again. And I just, I noticed some really quite common patterns and themes they'd start to appreciate life and time and friends and themselves, especially themselves, so much more. They had a sense of freedom and refound love for life and for themselves um, and sometimes for their relationships and sometimes not, as in their partnerships. They also start to speak their truth because when you become a mum, you, like, have to shed all of that people pleasing because you just don't have the time or energy to deal with it. And anyone who will take you as you are will will take you as you are. And everyone who wants the people pleaser um, or the person that can pander uh, won't be able to handle it. And so you notice when they come out of the fog of of having small kids and pregnancy and birth that they maintain that real no fucks given and um, really speak their truth again. Sometimes for the first time ever, you really start to hear their voice. It's as if motherhood and witnessing their own strength and power um, unlocked a door to themselves that can no longer be unseen or closed. And so I notice a common theme on this phase or in this phase associated with the ever so slightly waning moon as opposed to the fully full moon, that this is a common time along with the Marga phase, I think, um, but perhaps beginning more in the late summer phase to be action more in the Marga phase for relationship breakdowns. Suddenly, these women don't put up with the same shit that they once did. They start putting the training wheels on to practice using their voice. And many partners aren't used to it. They're not keen on it. It feels really different. Um, Perhaps the partner is quite different as well. You know, you're not the same person after you become parents and then reclaim your freedom again. And it can be really confronting after trying to find our place and purpose as maidens, we suddenly find ourselves dedicated to others as mothers. So the the minute we can access the freedom we once had, but with immense new wisdom and a newfound appreciation and embodiment of our own power and strength, ain't nothing going to stop us or hold us back. And I really um, can feel that at the moment. But this time also brings up a lot of shadow work, just as all thresholds and liminal spaces and rebirths and transformations do. This phase is a phase of deep reflection, grief, and often resistance. Just as we can feel melancholy melancholy when our egg dies after not being fertilized, we can feel the same in the window between mothering small, little small children and being, and then being less needed and finding our new place in the world before the cyclic veil is lifted. And again, we are given the opportunity to take life by the horns once again with our, um, 
sometimes deemed second spring in the MAGA phase. Um, that grief that's felt after the egg dies after ovulation can also be felt at the end of summer in um, here in South Australia we have daylight savings and you know when daylight savings ends or even before that like right at the end of the holidays the Christmas holidays you know that um, it's time to to go back and the party's over and there's that little bit of um of discomfort and sadness and what next and what now and what does that mean and now we're going into more darkness and you know the party's over and we can't just keep partying on we need to actually um, think about what comes next and how we're going to prepare for the winter and how we're going to um what that looks like in terms of harvest. Are we even going to have anything for harvest and have we done enough of what we need to do to be able to harvest, um, have an abundant harvest that we, we're hoping for? And I think this is the most important part is that menopause is seen as such a taboo, such, you know, a shamed event, something that we need to just medicate and pathologize, pathologize and hide and not talk about and, um, you know, not accept really, run away from when actually the MAGA phase is the harvest phase. The harvest phase. I mean, the harvest, isn't that what everything is leading up to? Yes, the celebration of the full moon and of summer um, and of blooming is great and awesome and that is a highlight and it is the, the, you know, the big event. That's the big event. That's what everything is leading up to. But also harvesting from that big event is that's something that we need to really celebrate and something that we need to be really honouring and looking at as so important. And what are we really doing to honour and celebrate this harvest, this amazing harvest phase? Because if we don't harvest and we don't have an abundant crop from whatever it is that we're harvesting, all of that work, you know, what was that work for? What was all of that effort and work for if we come away with with no harvest. I notice one of the common themes around this phase is a, a sort of cracking in partnerships and relationships. And I notice that this is a common time for separation and divorce. Two people who have come together crazy in love are no longer the same people. Their parenting together has, you know, potentially put strains on the relationship. They have so much more responsibility to, um, parent and and keep small humans alive as opposed to themselves as individuals and um, there's a lot of sacrificing and it's a pressure cooker of responsibilities and finding out how how strong you really are not just as individuals but also together and whether you really do have those same values and same dreams and perhaps the values and dreams that you had before you had kids have changed radically because you've been through such a massive transformation. It's no wonder that you come out completely transformed. And maybe this expression of you is far more authentic than it ever was before. But perhaps 
the two of you are no longer a good match. And that's the really interesting thing is that during our maiden and mother phase, we get really, really good at at masking, at um, being who we think we need to be to feel um, accepted, to feel like we belong, to feel like we're successful, to feel like we'll be accepted because that's really our most human core need to feel like we belong, to feel accepted, to feel connected. Um, and we will, we will do anything we have to do to feel that way. And during our maiden and mother phases, it's much easier to do that. And it's a, it's a form of survival. I mean, as a mother, when you've got to parent small children and you're very vulnerable, it's important that you're accepted and that you belong and that you, um, don't fear exile and isolation because that's the absolute worst thing that could happen to you, especially as a maiden, vulnerable maiden, and, and as a mother with small children. But when you no, no longer have that level of fear and you don't really care anymore because you just don't have any more fucks to give really and you just really appreciate your own strength and your own ability to get through it and the fact that you've kept small humans alive and and healthy and um there's a whole new level of appreciation of what you're capable of and that you don't need that acceptance anymore and you want to belong and you want to have connection of course as a human core need and you want to um you want to feel accepted and worthy and deserving of love and, and affection and connection, but, but for who you really are and not with all the fluffy stuff and not with all the, the fakeness and, you know, you shed away all of those layers and it's now you take me as I am or you don't have me at all. And, and there's also that level of I know who I am for some not for all, but for some, I know who I am. I know how strong I am. And I'm only going to, you know, I am valuable. And I only want to be with those who fully see that. And so then I can see that in them as well. And there's no more time for, for the fake stuff anymore. And it's beautiful to witness. It really is. And so we see friendships bloom and they take more priority and we see health and fitness and nutrition, which maybe went by the wayside when parenting small children, um, take more priority. And we see hobbies, um, you know, and creativity and expression and fun um, come a little bit more to the forefront. Parenting older children also becomes a whole new shift, which then leads to consider one's personal place and questions of of worthiness and value and, you know, what does this mean now? What's my place now? What's my purpose? You know, and this whole questioning of, well, who am I if I'm, if I'm not a, just mothering small children? I mean, you're still obviously a mom and a parent, but what does that, what does that mean now? And if I've got more time for myself, then what am I going to do with that? And that can also bring about depression and sadness and massive amounts of grief. And that does come with this phase, um, you know, with the autumn phase and the harvest phase. If things didn't, didn't, um, come to fruition how you had expected grief is a big part of it and grief isn't something that's often 
accepted to talk about openly. It's not something that we just openly discuss our deep inner grief and sadness, maybe in the circles that I'm in, but that's because that's who I want to hang out with. But generally speaking, grief, we just say, yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. All good. But actually grieving is so common and often it's covered up by numbing or by, you know, doing other things to try and push it down, suppress it, escape from it because it's really uncomfortable and it's not always accepted to be talked about um, or to be moved through us. Um, but it can certainly rise to the surface and it's it's wanting to be witnessed and it's wanting to be healed and it's wanting to have a purpose. So if there's grief, then, you know, what is it asking of you in terms of the next phase? And I believe that everything that is rising up in the late summer phase is all serving a greater purpose to allow for the, for the MAGA phase to be the best, most free and authentic and powerful and amazing yet. The mother phase is not all roses. I believe that it is perhaps the most complex, layered, challenging and oversimplified of all the phases. And yet we're kind of left to our own devices with it, aren't we? Motherhood is difficult in our culture, but all of the other layers of this phase are too. So many identity deaths. It's about acknowledging it, honouring it and feeling it. Full bloom takes our fullest energy and it can completely burn us out. What I find really interesting is that the moon is completely dark on its own. Without the sun, it's dark. And so when the, when the sun shines on it, that's when it lights up. And what I can see in that, I suppose symbolically, is that our full bloom takes our full energy, but it also somewhat shadows who we really are. And it also shows that we need support to be able to shine that bright. You know, we need, we need that strong masculine container, the shining light, we need the village, we need support that we don't have that isn't, um, supported in this culture really at all in order to be able to do that and without it we're really struggling and we are we are burning out and we're feeling really squashed and overlooked and ignored and we're not feeling our truest selves at our most peak blooming time it's there's just so much giving out and so much sacrifice and it's it's challenging it's beautiful and joyous and exciting and amazing on so many levels but how many mums do you talk to that feel like they don't remember a whole lot of their kids small childhood because they're so exhausted and so many that just revel in being grandparents because they get to experience it without that extreme tiredness and depletion especially those who are you know, working and parenting and isolated with no support and trying to make ends meet and put food on the table and just just everything we shouldn't be doing, it doesn't support our physiology at all, let alone 
any time to consider, you know, creative expression and, um, and self-care and, and our physiology and our physiological, biological, primal needs. Um, but then as we begin to wane slightly, we start to feel ourselves returning. We get to take some of the power back. And we get to return to a more authentic state where we're not so outward and vulnerable and exposed and um, we get to reclaim back who we really are slowly but surely. And as we wane slowly, we're starting to prepare so that late summer period is the starting to prepare for being able to step over that threshold and take full action and full reclamation of the next phase where we get to take back more of ourselves and we get to make that choice to really take that back. But this little bit in late summer, that's our preparation. That's our, um, it's the messenger of like, okay, it's coming. This is what's happening. How do you want to do it? How do you choose, how are you going to choose to make this the best harvest that you can make it? Because you only get that one time in this lifetime. How are you going to fully harness the power of that time? And just going a little bit back to the partnerships, In this phase, a lot of people start to find new relationships that align with their, you know, newfound values and and identity and priorities and dreams. Or they have grown together with their partner who is also taking on and reclaiming parts of themselves and they're moving into that phase together. So while so many relationships are breaking down around me, I am grateful for us to be finding one another again and to be moving into this next phase together. Um, Same but very different, so different, embracing and accepting of of the the difference but also coming back to things that we loved before with different with a different lens and a different perspective. I'm grateful to be reclaiming my freedom, my independence and my whole self. With all of this experience, wisdom and integration, while some fully surrender to the process, I have also noticed a theme for some in this phase to also lean back into wounds from their maiden days and this level of great resistance, which I did talk about before in terms of, um, you know, trying to run away from this aging process and running away from this harvest and not seeing it as harvest, not seeing it as this incredible opportunity to, to harness the power of harvest. How cool is that? But people aren't seeing it like that. They're seeing it as exactly how we've been programmed to see it, which is, you know, you're getting older and you're going to be, you know, worthless and you'll be moving into retirement and you're not a mother. So what value do you add to the society? When actually, you know, the grandmothers are who we really desperately need. And if we had more of the, the grandparents around, um, who weren't having to work and who weren't um, struggling themselves, then that's who potentially or who used to be helping 
the the mothers. So and the the kids need it too. The kids really need that intergenerational relationships and support. Um, and so I am noticing also this other side of great resistance of people moving back to their woundings of their maidens and wanting to um, go back to that time, trying to look more like that and, you know, look as if they haven't aged and haven't had any children, Um, you know, and there's no shame to how anyone does it and how anyone experiences it. But there's certainly a theme of not um, embracing and harnessing the power of this time. Um, it's interesting to notice that while some are embracing it, I'm also seeing and feeling some of, not myself, but around me, some of the biggest body image issues and um, or negative kind of body image issues that I have witnessed even more significant than when I was in high school, like much more significant. I don't know if I'm just more heightened to it, if I'm just around different kinds of people than back then, but I'm certainly noticing um, a much more significant um, priority around body image at this age than I did even as a teenager. And um, I'm noticing themes of cheating on partners, relationship issues, partying, drinking, sex as numbing. So, you know, not just embracing sexuality and embracing um, embodiment and really reclaiming that, but more as like a, a numbing thing to move away from it because the, the discomfort of what of the grief and of the change and the transition and what's to come is just so, so great. And a lot of low confidence and none of these things are bringing happiness or in alignment with values or um, with desired feelings. It's really just pressure from society to not age and not be um, devalued, I suppose, because after we have done our duties of bearing children and doing that mostly in isolation and being of service in the workforce, well, then what is our, what is our value to contribute to this capitalist patriarchal society as women you know what is our value and um that's what we need to turn on its head and reclaim for what it really is one of my most favorite quotes it's a traditional native american saying or proverb and it is at her first bleeding a woman meets her power During her bleeding years, she practices it. And at menopause, she becomes it. Oh, I love it. Because that's, that's in essence, the harvest phase. And so we're being called to consider what it is we're going to harvest and to make a choice about what we're going to harvest harvest at this time and how we are going to fully become our power. How fucking epic is that? I mean, if there's no other phase that we should be looking forward to, I mean, that's it, right? I don't know. That's how I feel. <laughs> so this overlooked phase hidden between two significant rites of passage, it completely fascinates me. I'll continue to observe it and witness it 
and witness the messages that um that arise as I'm as I, I don't choose to kind of see these patterns and themes they just sort of arise and I just notice them I believe it's a powerful time of preparation and of setting intentions motherhood is so much surrender and presence and as we move towards harvest we're being asked to for perhaps the first time and most important time in our entire lives set an intention for how we wish to spend the most integrative and transformative years of our life. Yes, motherhood phase is transformative, but we're very much in that present moment, um, getting through the day and nurturing the needs of others and not nurturing our own needs. Whereas this is about showing up and setting an intention to nurture our own needs and harvest, um, our own, you know, best gifts and strengths and creativity and to fully become our power based on, you know, the experiences that we've had throughout the rest of our life. And we have so much more life to live. So we get to live the best years of our life and they're coming and we get to prepare for it. It's what we're being asked to do. Marga is harvest. We get to harvest and use the fruits of our labor. We get to choose and for once be fully in the driver's seat, which might be actually really terrifying and it could actually lead to sabotage unconsciously. But how exciting and fucking wild to get to choose that. It comes with grief and it comes with challenge, but it's that's we can transmute that we really can transmute that and we can feel that and and both can exist both can exist at the same time and they don't have to overshadow one doesn't have to overshadow the other that's that's what it means to integrate and to become fully whole and our our most powerful selves I would so love to know if you're in this phase and what's arising for you or if you've noticed um, any of these things that I've talked about or if you've noticed any of these patterns or if you've had any of these experiences, if this has been your experience or perhaps it's been completely different, this is just what I've noticed and what I'm noticing is becoming my experience as I hedge closer to it. But I'll keep you posted and keep you in the loop and with infinite love and gratitude I will see you next time hey glorious human thanks for listening if you enjoyed this episode of the art of rewilding podcast I'd love it if you could leave a review and share with others who might enjoy you can connect further with me via my Instagram, Catherine Eden underscore rewilding. And if you are a space holder or are interested in holding sacred space, such as circles, blessings, ceremonies, or rites of passage, such as menarch, birth, death, and everything in between, you can check out my work at www.catherineden.com. See you next episode.